in Antioch. My name is Sadron Smith. For all of our first-time visitors, we thank you for coming out this morning and joining in a part of our, and being a part of our worship this morning. I have the blessed opportunity this morning of bringing the word. Somebody say, bring the word this morning. See, that's what I'm going to need from you this morning. Amen. God is so good this morning. What's today's date? The 18th of February. The 18th of February. I'm telling you, it's something significant about the 18th. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. And I told you before, we stand and we stood already this morning, but we stand because it's biblical. It's in the book of Nehemiah where Ezra, they asked Ezra the scribe to come forth and to teach them the law. And the Bible says that they built a pulpit made of wood. I'm standing on a pulpit made of wood. Amen. Come on, smile at me now. You got to lighten up. It might get worse and I need you to lighten up this morning. And he stood upon the pulpit and he said, bring the book. And he opened up the book. And the Bible says that the people stood up in reverence to the word of the Lord. Amen. But at the end of that, he said this, and I love this. You got to go back and read it. It's Nehemiah chapter 8. He said he blessed them and he told them to get out of here and go get something to eat. <laughs> so we're going to bless you so you can go forth, hear the word, and then go get something to eat. Amen. And then he said, if you get a little weak, he said, the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Come on now. We're reading out of Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. It's one of the ones that I really like, and I've been doing it for such a long time, it's hard to switch over. I don't know if y'all know what I mean. When you get in your Bible and open up the page, it just finds the page for you if you've been in there long enough. Amen? Verse 9, it says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, where did he come from? Nazareth of Galilee. And, it was, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's pretty awesome. He was baptized in the Jordan. Keep these things before you. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the, and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. When the voice, then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Y'all hear this voice from heaven? You are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And was with wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Now after John was put in prison. What Mark? John was put in prison? See, Mark is a highlight preacher. He give you the highlights. Hold up, man. You didn't say nothing about John being put in prison. Hold on. What happened? He makes you want to ask more questions, right? He's like that, what is that, sports center. Da-na-na, da-na-na. The highlight reels. He said, now after John was put in prison. See, you got to go ask somebody else to explain it to you, like Luke and Matthew. They explain it all the way out to you. But John just give you the highlight. Now that when John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Hallelujah. Let me just bless you and pray over you. Father, we thank you for these, your people, Father. We ask the Lord that your spirit, Lord God, is already in this place, but may we receive the spirit of your word, Father. I ask the Lord that you would think through my mind and speak through my lips. Use me as a vessel of clay, that I will be meet for your use, Father. God, I ask the Lord that your people will not only hear the Logos, but they will hear the rhema word, Father, the spirit of the word. And may they receive it with meekness and gladness, God. We give your name all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. And amen. Hey, before you take your seats, I want you to give a high five to your neighbors on the left and right. And just say, you look good in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. You look good in the Holy Ghost. 
You look good in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You know the significance that God just revealed to me this morning. I'm telling you, today is the 18th of February. This is the year 2018. Y'all hear some truth coming? It's the year of 2018. As we read here, it says Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Like I said, Mark makes you ask the question, what was happening that he came from Nazareth of Galilee? What happened? And I'm going to make this 18 real significant here in just a moment. Just stay with me. Are y'all with me? Right here, we find that nowhere else in Scripture do you see anything that Jesus is doing save when he was 12 years old? Did y'all know that? You don't hear anything about Jesus' public ministry. You don't hear anything about him busting up on the scene and said, I'm the Savior. I'm coming out. Between 12 and 30 years old, when Jesus started his, his ministry, how many years was that? That was 18 years. For 18 years, the scriptures are silent about Jesus. One represents the number of beginning. Eight represents the number of new beginnings. So when you put this 18 together, you have a beginning of a new beginning. Come on now. We're beginning new. We're getting ready to move into a new sanctuary. If times look hard for you this past year, you in the year of 2018. It's the year of new beginnings, so begin new. Amen? Can somebody say amen about that? I'm excited. It was 18 years, and Jesus didn't say anything. 18 years went by. But what we see is, in the glimpse that we get, you can see it in Luke. I believe it's Luke. Luke chapter 2. Verse 41 through 51, you will see that their parents, Joseph and Mary, went up to Jerusalem. And they went up there to, to do the Passover uh, season that they had there. And the Bible says when that season was over, that they left Jerusalem. And Jesus stayed back. And he said he was about 12 years old when he stayed there. And they thought that he was with the relatives. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all heard this before? They thought he was with the relatives in the caravan. Right? But he wasn't there. He stayed back and they found him in the temple after three days of searching for him. Go to Luke. I want to show you something here. Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> I believe that's where it is. Luke chapter 2 verse 41. And it says his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast. You know, I got to read this out because it's important that when we come up here and preach the word of God, you got to see where it's coming from. Amen. I'm not just preaching out of my head. It's coming out of my heart, but it's out this word. Amen. And it says, and when he was 12 years old, there it is. He went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, they returned and the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Y'all see, I'm telling the truth, right? It's right there. <laughs> and Joseph, he lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, and they went a day's journey and sought him amongst their relatives and acquaintances. So they did not find him. Then they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was after three days, they found him in the temple. What was he doing in the temple? See, Luke going to tell you. Mark, you just say he was in a temple and leave it at that. Luke explained it all the way out. It says that he was in a temple sitting, say sitting, in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at the understanding and his answers. So they saw him and they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why have you done this? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he, answered, and he said unto them, why do you seek me? Hold up, Jesus. You talking back? Wait a minute. Hold up now. Hold up now. <laughs> why do you seek me? And he said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? 
And they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And then he went down and came to Nazareth. Uh Uh-oh, where is he? He's in Nazareth. I'm connecting some dots here. Just stay with me. And And he was subject to them, but his mother kept this in his heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and with man. This is amazing for me, for me, because now you see that he's come from Nazareth of Galilee to be baptized of John. Right. I want to say this and please hear my heart. Okay, hear my heart. I got to put that out there. Hear my heart when I say this. I believe that we have to begin where he began. What do I mean by that? Jesus was in Nazareth, and that's the only picture that we see before he's lunched out into his public ministry. The first point that I have is we have to be patient. Jesus was patient. Don't tell me that he didn't know who he was or who he was called to be. Because he said, I must be about my father's business. When you look up this word must, I believe the pronunciation is die. And it, and it has this connotation that there is a divine mandate. He said, I have a divine mandate to be about my father's business. So he knew exactly what he was called to. Are y'all hearing me? He understood what he was called to. And I believe even across this sanctuary, the Lord has called many of us at a young age. At a very young age, God has put something on the inside of us and called us. But I tell you, it's not time. It's time for us to be patient. What was he doing in the temple? He was sitting. He was listening and asking questions is what he was doing. It's time for us to be patient. Because we are ascending house. What does it say? Awaken, equipped, and sin. But you can't be sent unless not only do you have the call, but you're patient in the call. Amen? You got to be patient in the call. Jesus was patient. 18 years go by. If it was me, and I know that I'm called to deliver the world, not just my friends, but the whole world, and I'm 18, or I'm 20, or I'm 25, dun, 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 I'm here. It's time. It's bubbling up on the inside of me. I got to go out. I got to be about my father's business. But he submitted himself. He stayed patient. You see, patience takes us on a journey for development. So God has called you to different things. Are y'all hearing me? God has called you to different things in our lives and different junctures. But if we will understand that it's time for us to be patient, it's time for us to sit down, it's time for us to listen and ask questions. Oh, this is good. I didn't preach this to myself three times. Y'all can shout if you want to. I didn't already shouted. Amen. Hallelujah. Patience takes us on a journey of development, but it also speaks to dedication for a deepening of our root system. For a deepening of our root system. That's what patience does. The seed of an oak tree. I think I'm getting ahead of myself because time is just slipping, man. Move quick. Ali. The seed of an oak tree or a redwood or even a palm tree. It is said that when it grows, it grows down first. And then it sprouts up. The roots start going down first and then it sprouts up. Too many times... We want to sprout up first and we have no root system. We have no word on the inside of us because we haven't sat and been patient. Uh oh, I'm going to stop meddling. Let me get back to my word here. The, when you look at a palm tree, it is said that it is as deep as it is tall. It's as deep as it is tall. Hear what I'm saying to you. It's the patience of that seed going down first and then sprouting up. That way, when the winds blow, it may bend over. But rarely do you see it uprooted from its roots. Am I right? You from Florida, you understand. Barely do you see it uprooted from, it may break even, but the root system is deep. Patience 
takes us on this journey. And the viewpoint of this is Elijah and Elisha. Can I take you on a journey real quick? I don't know if it's going to be quick, but I'm going to take you on a journey. And it's, it, we're coming out of 2 Kings chapter 2. And there's some interesting things that I saw when the Lord was showing me this. We're getting ready to move into a new building, into a new neighborhood. Some of us are being awakened. Some of us are being equipped. And some of us are being sent. And in us moving in this, a lot of times we have to sit patient. Amen? Are y'all there? Well, let me get there. 2 Kings chapter 2. And it looks, it was, Pastor Jay did a wonderful job of teaching this last week. Oh, did my heart burn. And I had to go in there and dig a little deeper. And it's just amazing that I'm riding his coattails today. Amen. And it came to pass. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven in the whirlwind, that Elisha went with Elisha, um, Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. What were they doing down in Gilgal? See, I asked some questions. I asked some questions. God had told Elijah that Elisha was going to take his place as, one, as the prophet. Is that right? Y'all remember that? But I want to give you a viewpoint and a picture of what actually happened during this time frame. Here we got Elijah. He's just walking up. I'm going to need me somebody to help me out with this. David, come help me out, man. He's walking up, right? Elisha is plowing the field with oxen. It says he had 12 yoke oxen and he was on the 12th one. Come on, Elisha, plow that field with those oxen. Get those hands out in front of you. There you go. He plowing that field. And then all of a sudden, Elijah, keep plowing, keep plowing. He runs up on him and drops his mantle on him and start walking away. Elisha, I'm sure he felt the Holy Spirit hit him. Something hit him. Something was awakened on the inside of him. Right? And he ran up to Elijah and said, Elijah and said, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Let me kiss my mother and my father, and then I'll come follow you. And Elijah said, what have I done to you? I ain't done nothing to you, man. What, what do you want with me? Go back and do whatever you're doing. But Elisha, thank you, Elisha was like, no, there's something about this mantle that you just threw on me. Elijah was, Elisha was awakened. See, he had been plowing the field, so that kind of gives us a view of what type of person this person was, Elisha. Maybe he was a farmer because he had a yoke of oxen, right? Maybe he was a hard worker. Maybe he was doing something else that he thought he was called to. But when Elijah ran up on him and threw his mantle on him, something awakened and said, hey, there's something about this. I'm called to something different, and you got what I need. So I'm going to follow you, but let me go and do this first. And the Bible says that he took the yoke that he was, had the oxen yoked up to. He killed the oxen. He cooked them up. He fed them to the people that was out there. And the Bible says that he went and followed Elijah. Where did they go? Gilgal. I'm taking you on a journey. Gilgal. Gilgal is that place of beginning. It's the place of covenant. It's the place of realizing my first love. Who is my first love? Jesus. It's that place of awakening. When you look up Gilgal, you'll see that it means wheel or rolling or a circle where we get our wedding rings from. The place of covenant. I'm in covenant with you right now. I don't know what's going on, but I know I've been awakened for something more than what I've been doing. I know that there's something on the inside of me that needs to come out. And I don't have the equipment yet, but I know that you have it. Elijah took that mantle back and said, oh, I have tasted and seen what the Lord, that the Lord is good. Are y'all here with me? So he tasted it, but Gilgal is the place that begs the question, can I count on you? 
I know that you're in covenant with me, but can I count on you? I'm taking you on a journey. Gilgal is that, play, that first moment when you come to realize that God is here and he has called me to another calling. He has called me, he has put me on a journey to go and do something. I talked to a young lady, she, she said that the Lord spoke to her when she was 12 years old and told her that she was to be a counselor. I believe she's in her 30s now. And she's finally moving in that direction of what the Lord called her for. How much time did she wait? She waited on it. It wasn't working like she was. But then when it was the time that God called her, now doors are opening. People are paying for her schooling. All kind of things are happening. Why? Because she said, patient. Patience takes us on a journey. It may not be an easy journey, but it's a journey. Amen? So they went to Gilgal, and they're coming from Gilgal, verse 2. And Elijah said, Elijah said, excuse me if I mix these shuds and juds up, okay? And Elijah said unto Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. And Elijah said, hold up, man, where you going? Where you going? As long as you living, Doc, I'm with you. You got something I need. You can't just throw your mantle on me or tell me about this anointing or introduce me unto God and then leave me. No, I'm coming with you, man. Y'all read this before. I'm coming with you. And he said, as long as you live, as long as the Lord lives and, the, and your soul lives, he said five words, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. Well, I love the way y'all looking at me right now, boy. Everybody got their eyebrows up. Amen. He said, I will not leave you. He said, I understand that I, in, I was introduced to the Lord. And a lot of time I'm basking in his glory. And I, I like this, uh, this, uh, this place of anointing because this is an anointing spot that I got endowed with something that I don't know much about. It's, it's, it's very tempting to stay in that position. But God is always calling us to move from faith to faith. Amen. He's calling us to go forward. He's calling us to be sent, not to stay. Yeah, y'all hear truth around the corner right there. He said, I will not leave you. See, this place of Gilgal and this movement unto Bethel cause, it speaks to having a passion for what he wants. Can I count on you? Will you follow me? I understand, you, you, you understand there's something in there, something that you can't figure out on your own and don't even try, but will you come follow me? Will you maintain a passion for what I want? When we follow the Lord, we're following after his passion. Amen? Oh, I know I got the right one today. We're following after his passion. So he calls him over to Bethel. And Bethel, when they get to Bethel, Bethel means the house of the Lord. Not only did I just get saved, I'm equating this, all right? Not only did I just get saved, but now I need to go into the house of the Lord and learn more about the Lord that saved me. Now I got to sit down and get some roots about myself. I got to understand how to operate amongst the people in the house of the Lord. I have to understand how to operate in the Lord. I have to know how to serve people that's in the same fight that I'm in. Will I serve you? See, I got to know the law of the house. This is where you discover, this is where you discover your, your giftings. You discover what you're good at, what you like, what you enjoy doing through your serving, through your following, through your getting somewhere and putting the an anchor in the ground and said, I'm not leaving until I get something from this ground here. I'm not leaving. I'm going deeper in this place. This is the place of Bethel. It's in the house of God. There's security in here. You're learning your charisma gifts. You're learning about the Lord that you've just put your faith into. But it's a place of serving because the way up is down. God says, can I depend on you to come in and serve the house? 
Can I depend on you and serve your brothers and your sisters that's in close proximity with you? Can I depend on you to be excited when they're excited? Can I depend on you to weep when they weep? Or will we be upset, mad, frustrated, disillusioned, hard to get along with when somebody gets a raise, million dollars a year? Or will we rejoice with those who rejoice? Huh? Will we carry each other when they're going through times of despair? Will we motivate them, lift them up, or just listen? We're learning how to serve one another. This is Bethel. This is the place. I'm taking you on the journey. This journey is awesome. Bethel, it not only speaks to that, but it speaks to our stick-to-itiveness. It speaks to us understanding not only have we been called, but it speaks to us to, to knowing that we need something. We need some equipment for the call. That's what Bethel speaks to. I need, listen, I am empty right now. I don't know what it is, but I know, I know I'm going somewhere. I don't even know where yet. But as long as I sit in here, I guarantee you, excuse me, that the word of the Lord will come forth. I pray that you hear not only the Logos, the spoken word, but that the spirit of that word. You're hearing words coming out of the preacher's mouth, but then you're writing down something different because he spoke something to your spirit. This is where you're learning that you need something. There's something in the house that I got to have. I'm passionate about what he's passionate about. Hallelujah. This is awesome. But then we get these sons of the prophets. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elijah. Let's stop right there for a second. They didn't go to Elijah. They came to Elisha. It's probably they heard that Elijah know how to cast down fire on some stuff. So we ain't going to him. We're not going to fool with Elijah. <laughs> he might say something. <laughs> but they went to Elisha. They went to Elijah's servant. Now these are supposed to be people in the house who's to nurture us, who's to care for us. But they was trying to throw him off of focus. Don't you know? Let's read it. I got to read it. I got to read it. It says, now the sons of the prophet were at Bethel and came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord would take away your master from over you today? Don't you know that your master is getting ready to leave you? What was, what was the purpose of saying this? Why would you put this in my mind and in my heart? It's because I want to take your focus off what you're going after. See, I see your passion. I see what you're trying to get here, but I don't like it because I'm envious of that. Because I don't have this passion on the inside of me. Don't you know your father's getting ready to get taken away from you? In other words, what are you going to do? You better set something else up. <laughs> I'm going to make it plain. We have giftings. We've learned our giftings and our talents and our treasures in the house of the Lord. But what we do is because we don't want to sit and, and, and listen and ask questions. And when I say we, please, you know, hear my heart, all right? So we don't want to do that. So what we do is we take our giftings out into the world for fame and for fortune and for, and, and for things that the world can offer quickly. But God is saying, hold on. Just wait a moment. I had a soldier and this guy, and he's still in the music industry today. But this guy, he could write a song at the drop of a dime. He hear a tie go over a bump, and he got music going to the song. I mean, it's just coming out. Of, it's just oozing out of his pores. And I'm like, man, that's real good. But I said, you know, God has called you to write songs for his kingdom. We need what's in you. So I said, hey, why don't you write, why don't you write me one of them, you know, write me one of them Christian songs, man. And if you don't want it, I'll take it from you. Don't worry about it, you know. So he began on his journey of writing what he thought was going to be a Christian song. 
But his problem was his fame was quick. Everybody wanted the beats that he was giving out, and they wanted them right then. But when I told him to sit down, get in the corner, get quiet somewhere, small up yourself, get your pride out the way, and sit down and listen to the voice of the Lord so he can give you the words and the music to this song, it took him six months to get out the first stanza of this song. That frustrated him until, no, I mean, nobody's business. It just frustrated him. This is taking too long. If it's a worldly song, I can just pop them out real quick. I can give you 10 in a day. But when it comes to this, man, I don't like this. He took his talent out into the world. Y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? This is a place of serving the house of the Lord. It's where we learn about the passion and God and what he's equipped us in for the, for the battle that he is placing us toward. Amen? Man, that time is moving. Boy, let me hurry up. So then they said, do you know that the Lord will take your master from over you today? And he said, I love Elisha's response. Yes, I know. I know that I've been called somewhere. I know that I have a passion for what he's want. I know that I'm following and I'm trying to get something out of here. I know. Be quiet. The Bible say be quiet, but I know what he really said. He said, shut up. I don't need the inside noises taking me off of my focus. I got sometimes you got to you got to make people be quiet. Especially when you're going after something that God has put on the inside of you. You got to tell them, be quiet. I'm moving for the anointing. There's something that God has called me to and you're not going to knock me off of where I'm going. I'm going to be steadfast in this thing. I have a passion for this thing. Don't get mad at me because I'm going after something, because I'm paying a price for something. Paying a price. I'm still on my first point. Be patient. <laughs> I got seven of them. Yeah, we are right. Be patient. <laughs> be patient. Amen. Amen. But what, what he was telling them also was, be quiet because I understand that I am connected to a body. I'm connected to a people that are nourishing me, that are encouraging me. I'm connected to Elijah. I'm sure, see, what, what I tried to do, and I'm really not good at this, but what I tried to do was map out how far was it from Gilgal to Bethel. And I looked at it, and I think it's about 17 miles, 15, 17 miles. Because he was down in Gilgal, then he went to Bethel, right? And don't tell me they wasn't talking about something. I, I believe he was asking them questions. And I believe Elijah was like, yeah, man, I cast down fire. Yeah, yeah, I did it all, man, you know. God sent water from heaven, and, I mean fire from heaven, and, and I watered up everything. And he, he just, you know, he was telling them all the miracles that he'd done. And he was giving them the inside of secrets. See, you got to get before the Lord. Let me tell you what his voice sounds like. Because he came in an earthquake. He came in a whirlwind, but it's not in there. See, he's getting everything that he needs for his next portion in ministry. His next way that he's going out. He's getting everything he needs from, they talked about it. They had to talk about it. You can't walk 17 miles and not say nothing. Not next to Elijah, man. You got to say something. So then they said, you know he's going to be take up. He said, I, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elisha said unto him, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Y'all see the journey? They went from Gilgal, place of covenant, to Bethel, how to operate in the law of the house. Then they are going down to Jericho. You see, Jericho represents... Uh, it, rec it, it represents hardness. It represents hardness, but it also represents victory. It represents hardness. There are times that we're patient, but it seems so hard. God, when is it my turn? When is it my turn, Lord? I've been in this thing forever, Lord. When am I going to get promoted? When am I going to get healed, Lord? When is it my turn, Lord? Aren't I a son? Aren't I a daughter of the Most High God? Didn't you say in your word, Lord? You know, when is it my turn? But Jericho is that place of hardness. 
It want to see if you got what you say you got. There's no more lip service. Now it's time to put the pedal to the metal. Now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. No more lip service. Jericho, the Bible says that Joshua, y'all remember the story, at the battle of Jericho, when he was there, there was a wall there. And that wall was so shut up that none can come out, none can go in. He looking at this thing like, man, how are we going to get through this wall? I mean, he's contemplating on it. I believe he was developing a plan on how to knock that wall of Jericho down. I believe he was almost there. <laughs> I almost got how we're going to just attack this thing. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to climb it. We're going to shoot some arrows. I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm almost there. I know I got it. But it represented him doing something in his own strength until he saw the man with the plan. He saw a man over against him with a sword drawn. Do y'all know the story? He got the sword drawn in his hand. And he ran up on him because Elijah is a bad, bad man. I mean, I'm sorry, Joshua, he's a bad, bad man. They are powerful, him and Caleb. They some awesome characters in the Bible. I love them guys, boy. We are well able. Let's go right now. I don't care if they look like grass. It don't matter to me. We ready to fight. And he ran up on the Lord with his sword. Like, hey, are you for me? Are you against me? Y'all read that before. I don't have to go there, right? It's in Joshua. <laughs> If I go there, I'm going to get stuck there, and I don't want to do that. But it's in Joshua. And he ran up on him, and he said, Nay, for I am the commander of the Lord's army. In essence, at Jericho, that's where we look for the man with the plan. That's where we're looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, because we're in that time of hardness. That's when we get that plan. That's when breakthrough starts taking place now. And he gave them the plan on how to knock that wall down. And did that wall come down? Yes. Then victory came. They went to Jericho. Jericho is that place where if we stay in that hardness just long enough, God will give us the plan on how to get through that thing. But we have to get to a place where we're listening for his voice and not the voice of others. But also Jericho represents a place where the walls are torn down, so we're outside of the house of God. Now we are in the community around us. This is a place of how we treat people that comes in from the community. Those that may have never known God. Those that don't know the Christian lingo. Those that come off the street and may not look like us, smell like us, maybe just came from a place that we don't visit or frequent. How do we serve them? This is the place of Jericho. The walls are down now. There's no more safety. Now you have to put your feet, your, your, mouth, your money where your mouth is. Now you got to go and minister to those that are outside our circle of trust. Now we have to go and reach out to the world and draw them in. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Jericho is that place where the walls are down, but there's victory. If you're bold enough to keep following if you're bold enough to keep listening, then you can go out and say something to somebody with some meaning and some substance. I remember when I first got saved, boy, I was, woo, I was telling everybody the word, boy. I got a word for every situation you got. I got the answer for everything. And then one time I realized I didn't have what I thought I had. I bust up on the scene, man, they was talking about something. I said, yeah, I got the right one for this. Yeah, I got the right word for this. And I bust up and I said a proverb. I spoke that thing out with some, brought my chest out. Yeah, this is a proverb. And that joker looked at me and said, that didn't come from the Bible. That came from Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> I said, boy, let me go sit myself down somewhere. <laughs> I had to go sit down and get in the Word and start reading myself. <laughs> Oh, man, I sat down for about two years. Let me get in this word. <laughs> so you can have some substance coming from the word and not just what you think is a good saying. Because people out in the community don't need a good saying. They need the word of the Lord. 
They need that indestructible seed of the word of the Lord that's going to go in, that's going to germinate in their lives and cause change to happen. That's what we need. So Jericho represents that place. Beyond the walls, how will we serve our community? We're getting ready to move into a new community. Have on your mind and on your radar, how do we serve this community? <laughs> Out of appearance, that's not what the Lord looks at. I know what I was before I came to the Lord. I know what I was even three or four years ago. I was a hard, hard man. I look at you with a look like, don't talk to me. I smile at you now, amen. <laughs> I smile at you. But we're talking about this place, this journey. He goes from Jericho, a place of, I mean, Gilgal, a place of covenant. He goes to Bethel. And then he goes down to Jericho. And now he's getting ready to go where? To Jordan. We're going back to Luke really quick. Are y'all getting something out of this? Luke chapter. We're going to tell the significance of this place of Jordan. This is a place that we want to be. And we're talking about patience. Be patient. God is not finished with you. Be patient. You will be ready. I'm sorry, Mark. Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> Mark chapter 1. It says here, verse 9, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John, where? In the Jordan. That's significant. Our Jordan represents, y'all want to know what it represents? It represents a place of separation. And the supernatural. A place of separation and the supernatural. See, we had at Jericho another, another group of the sons of prophets. And they said again, don't you know that the Lord is getting ready to take your, your master away from you? They was trying to get him all focused again. But this wasn't the people on the inside. This was the people on the outside. This was people saying, man, I see your talents. Why don't you come on out here and give us a taste of that gospel little singing there? Or come out here and, and give us some of that poetry that you have. We'll make your name famous in lights. Why don't you, your master's getting ready to get taken away from you. Why don't you make yourself a plan so when he goes, you have something else to go into? Y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? But when he goes down to Jordan, now he's separated. And I want to say this too. The closer you get to what God has called you to, the crowd begins to get smaller. You had the 50 prophets over there. They, the Bible says that they went and they looked from afar off. So not only do we have to be patient, but we got to be observant. What's going on? What are we learning in the house of the Lord? Who's with us? Who's not with us? They stood afar off. But here we come to Jordan where Jesus is getting ready to be baptized. That's the same place that Elisha received the mantle of Elijah. See, while he was following him down to Jordan, Elijah was like, dude, you're more passionate than I've ever seen before. You're really going after this what I have. Ask, man. Just ask what you want. Ask. And he said, I want a double portion of your spirit upon me. He said, he gave him instructions. And I want you to hear this. The anointing is on the instructions. Listen to that. The anointing is on the instructions. When the Lord tells us to do something, do what he says to do. Exactly how he says to do it. Then you will see breakthrough. Then you will see it come through. But notice what happens. He says, when you see me, when I'm taken up, then you should have a double portion of my spirit. But if you don't see me, don't worry about it. All this stuff you've done has been for nothing. Meaning, don't give up on the fight. Stay on a journey. Stay on the path that the Lord has put you on. Amen. So now, that's the journey. <laughs> and immediately, <laughs> he came up from the water, and he saw the heavens departing and the Spirit upon him like a dove. Then the voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. At this moment, Jesus is launched into his ministry. He's launched into his ministry. 
And when he's launched into his ministry, he's filled with the spirit. My next point is we have to be spirit filled. Come on up, Josh. We have to be spirit filled. And I got to do this quickly because I'm out of time. I'm out of time. But we got to be spirit filled. And I want to show you what this looks like just for a second. Hurry up. Come on. We have to be spirit-filled. Jesus was spirit-filled. If you go read Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Jesus being filled with the Spirit, he was spirit-filled. But when we look at being spirit-filled, what we see, and this is my last little deal here, what we see is an archer. As soon as he get ready here, we see an archer. Because when we're spirit-filled, We're used by the spirit. We're not just saying some good words or something that would just tickle somebody's ear so they could just follow it. But we're giving out substance because we're led by the spirit. Jesus was filled with the spirit. He it was so important that he told his disciples to wait on the promise of the father and be filled by the spirit before you are launched out into your ministry. I'm going to put something on your mind here. Jesus, according to scripture, didn't do one single solitary miracle until he was filled with the Spirit. I'll take it back to Genesis for you. In Genesis chapter 1, God didn't speak one single world until what? The Spirit of God came upon the scene. It's important that we are filled with the Spirit. It was, it was, it was Paul. Paul in, 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 in Acts chapter 19, 20 years almost after they were, the Spirit had come down on the disciples. And he ran upon some disciples and he said, have you been filled with the Spirit since you believed? And they was like, we haven't even heard whether there be any Spirit. You ready, bud? You almost there? All right. <laughs> He's sharpening up. Man, I should have called him 10 minutes ago. But uh, we haven't even seen if there was a Spirit. He's like, well, what were you baptized to? We were baptized unto John's baptism. He said, indeed, John baptized you unto repentance, but I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Lord. And when he laid hands upon them, they received the spirit of God. When he ran upon them, he realized that there was something different about them. There was something different about them. Some, maybe they was aimlessly going through life. Maybe they was timid and not bold enough. But that spirit gives us boldness. The spirit of God testifies of him the spirit of God leads us and guides us this is something that Jesus said was so important so when we have the spirit when we have the spirit of God the arrow represents us it's a picture of an archer a bow and an arrow the archer always shoots straight would you agree If our archer is Jesus, he's our savior. He's our Lord and savior, Jesus. Not only does the archer shoot straight, but the bow is full of strength. It represents the spirit of God. Go ahead. It represents the spirit of God. He's not going to aim at nobody, so don't get scared. Go ahead. The archer is ready. He's ready to launch out the bow. The, uh, launch out the arrow. The bow is at its full strength. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the strong arm of God. But many times, go ahead, many times, it's the arrow that needs the work. Maybe it's not sharp enough. Maybe the cares of this world has taken some things off or put some knots on. But aren't you glad that the archer is not only the archer, but he's the fletcher. Y'all know what the fletcher is? It's the arrow maker. God knows how to come in and to sharpen us and take us to a journey that we not only are sharp, but we're straight. The goal is to be straight. So when the archer utilized by the bow and ready to launch you out. Yeah, he strikes the mark. Go ahead. He strikes the mark. He's ready. It's sharp. You're ready now. You won't go crooked. You won't go this way and that way, but you strike the mark. Amen? All right, we're good. Amen. We're standing all over the building. Hallelujah. 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 Just to give you the rest of uh, our our, our workers this morning, receive the, uh, the sacraments, just to give you the rest of the points. We got to be a people of patience. 
We got to be observant. We got to be spirit filled. We have to trust the word of the Lord. And then when we do those things, we'll be unshakable, unmovable, and unoffendable. Then we'll be released with his equipment. Being an old army, army soldier here, I deal with acronyms. And when you put them all out, it spells posture. We have to remain in a posture to be used by the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you, the Lord, that it will go down deep into our very spirits. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to take the sacraments here. And I'm going to be reading out of Numbers. Numbers chapter 19. This is when the children of God, I believe it's 19. No, 21. Numbers 21. This is when the children of God were speaking they were in the wilderness and they were speaking bad about Moses and Aaron. They was upset with him. Man, why have you taken us from Egypt? Why have you taken us from Egypt? We're tired of this bread. We're tired of this manna. We're tired of this. And the Lord sent down fiery serpents and was biting them up. And whoever was bitten was killed. Or they was very, very sick as well. But then the Lord, they went to the Lord, they went to Moses and said, Moses, we have sinned against you and the Lord. <laughs> you think? We sinned against you. And then the Lord told them to, he told Moses to make a serpent of brass. And he said, put it on a pole and raise it up. And whoever looked at the serpent of brass shall be healed. I just want to say this morning that we've all been bitten by sin we've all been bitten by something in this world and when we take these elements here it's not to cast our eyes on us but it's to put our eyes on him the brass serpents on the pole represents Jesus being lifted up let's keep our eyes on him amen you may uh, receive from the outer aisles if you would